Welcome to the Level Up English podcast, the best place to come to practice the English language, learn about the British accent and culture. With me, your host, Michael Lavers. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Level Up English podcast. I'm very happy today for a few reasons. First of all, because I'm here back here recording this podcast. And secondly, because I finally got my splint off my wrist. A couple months ago, I fractured my wrist when I fell off my skateboard. And now my wrist is finally free. Maybe it's a little bit skinnier than the other one, but it feels so good to have mostly healed and kind of being slightly back to normal again now and not you know, getting all hot and sweaty underneath that splint. So I'm very happy about that. That's one good piece of news. But I'm also happy today about our episode because we're talking about statistics, which I don't know if that sounds boring to you. If you don't know what that means, we will talk about the meaning in just a second. But I think these kind of topics are really interesting because you learn a lot and a lot of the information is not so easy to guess. It's not what you would imagine, right? So let's talk about what a statistic is. And it's something that I may uh, have trouble saying today because for me, it's a bit of a tongue twister. Statistic. I think it's the S and the T sound together. Statistic. Statistic. Have a go yourself. Can you do better than me? Uh, You can say stat for short. Like, let's have a look at the stats today. That's a bit more colloquial and casual. But I have a definition here that says statistics is a kind of maths that helps us understand and make sense of information. Statistics involve collecting and studying data to find patterns and draw conclusions. That's a good collocation, a good phrase, by the way. Draw conclusion. You're not literally drawing, but to draw a conclusion just means to have a final idea about some data or some information. So I'm seeing the information on the computer. I'm drawing the conclusion that this is good. I'm drawing the conclusion that this is bad. It's kind of like my final summary of what's happening. So to draw a conclusion is to make a conclusion. We just use the verb draw. It's a really, really nice one to remember. Uh, So statistics look at things like averages and probability and analyzing different types of data. And it's really important in things like science and economics, that kind of stuff too. And it's really good for backing up your arguments. So if you want to argue your point, it's a good idea to have some statistics to back it up. Uh, For example, if you're doing the IELTS exam and you want to argue uh, why homelessness is such a big problem, an example of a statistic might be, this is one I'm making up now, uh, 2% of people in this city are living on the streets. It's a lot of people, probably not true. But if, if it's true, that is a really sad statistic. So I was inspired by another podcast. I listened to a podcast called the Bangkok podcast now that I've moved here just to learn a bit more about this city and they did an episode all about statistics and it was really fun because I was kind of trying to answer in my head while I was listening 
And I was learning quite a lot about Bangkok as well. So in this episode, we will be going through some unbelievable statistics that you will be quite surprised by. And then we will end with a quiz about the UK. So we'll look at some UK statistics to see how much you know about the United Kingdom. So we've got two parts today. I'll be going through some interesting ones. I will challenge you to try to maybe guess some of them along the way. And we might be learning a few words and phrases as well. So I hope you're excited. If you're a bit of a nerd like me, then I'm sure you will be. Uh, Just a quick reminder, I want to give you an update what's been going on with Level Up English recently. So I have been working pretty hard on there. I've updated the uh, IELTS course. So if you're taking the IELTS exam, all of the videos and content on that course have been updated and it's much better than before. So now would be a good time to become a member to take that course. I've also been working hard on the group classes. Uh, We're still doing two a week. Every Friday, every Saturday, we are doing a group class. So that's three hours a week at the moment. See, my maths is not good. (laughs) So three hours a week, group classes. They're really, really fun. I get a lot of good feedback about them. People are learning vocabulary, practicing their conversation skills. And it's great. I think one of the hidden benefits is just meeting cultures from all around the world. So in one class, we have people from, you know, so many like 10 plus different countries. It's amazing. And there's people that maybe have never even met someone from that country before. And it's kind of exciting to bring these cultures together. And I'm also planning, hopefully, on adding a new class starting in January. Uh, It takes a lot of planning and preparation to do this, but my plan is to start perhaps a Tuesday night, well, I should say Tuesday evening class starting in 2024. So again, if you want to become a premium member and access these group classes, now would be a good time because we have lots going on. And yeah, I hope you're excited about it as well. So there's a little bit of an update there, but you can become a member. Also, as always, you get access to the transcripts, which take a lot of time, but I hope they help where if you have trouble listening to these podcasts, you can read along and learn some vocabulary as well, take quizzes to practice what you learnt, all that kind of stuff. So if that sounds interesting for you, you can go to levelupenglish.school and then click on the podcast, no, not podcast, click on the members button at the top of the page. And yeah, if you do click on the podcast button, that's also fine. You'll just be seeing information about podcasts and getting in touch with me. Uh, But there's also a link in your podcast app. I think that's what I meant to say. So if you want to get a quick way to go there, click on the link on your app and it will take you directly to the membership page where you can learn more. Okay, let's stop delaying and get into the main statistics part of the episode now. I'm going to jump right into it and give you one statistics. And this is how many adults that sleep with a comfort object. By comfort object, we mean like a teddy bear, a blanket, basically something that kind of comforts them while they sleep. How many adults sleep with something? How many adults sleep with nothing? Just pillow and bedsheets. How many would you think it would be? I guess this is 
I'm not totally sure if this is a global survey or maybe it's just America. A lot of these things are just US, so that might make a difference. Uh, the answer is one third of adults sleep with a comfort object. Quite a lot, right? So one third, but I think this would be a great uh, podcast if you're taking the IELTS exam and you're doing you know, the, the graphs and the tables in the writing section, for example, because I'll be talking a lot today about numbers. So one third uh, is one in three. In other words, that's 33 point going on percent, right? So 33% of adults sleep with some kind of teddy bear or comfort object. That's quite high. I'm surprised. I would be interested to see the difference between men and women. I imagine it would skew towards women. It would weigh, lean towards women. There would be more women who have them than men. But I might be wrong. It might be interesting to see that. I just don't know. So the odds are, if it's not you, then one of your friends has that comfort object. That's a good expression, by the way. The odds are. The odds are. So that's kind of a sentence starter that basically means it's likely that. Right, so if it's not you, the odds are it's one of your friends. If it's not you, it's likely that it's one of your friends. So be honest. Is it you? Nothing to be ashamed of, but maybe if if you are included in that statistic, let me know in the comments. Because that's an interesting one. Uh, here's another one that I had to save, of course. I had to save this one. I might have just given it away, but I'll, I'll let you guess anyway. So over the past century, that's 100 years, uh, a certain name has been the most popular male baby name 44 times. This is the English speaking, in the English speaking world, so it doesn't include uh, non-English speaking countries. Uh, that might be very different, of course. But what do you think is one of the most popular male names for babies in English speaking countries? Did any of you guess Michael? Because you'd be right. <laughs> I didn't know this because I don't actually meet so many people called Michael. Well, I guess I do, actually. <laughs> I know a lot of people called Mike, which is short for Michael. So, yeah, over the last 100 years, Michael has been the number one popular name 44 times. That's crazy. I guess this is in the USA, but that's a really high number of times, right? <laughs> so I guess I'm not so unique after all. What do you think would be the female equivalent? So there's a female name that has been the most popular 37 times in the last 100 years. Do you know which that would be? Can you think of a really common female name? I don't think any of you will get this one right. I'm actually really surprised by this. I feel like this is a slightly outdated name. I meet some adults, you know, people older than me with this name. I've never met a child with this name. This is Mary. M-A-R-Y. Mary has been a very popular female baby name. So that's that's kind of interesting, right? Mary. Have you do you know any Marys? I don't know. But okay, so that that's definitely interesting. It's, it, I think what's interesting is the trend. There's a good word we can learn here. There's always like a trend of baby names that come and go. 
So trend is kind of like a pattern of popularity, right? So Michael was trending in the 1990s. I think so, right? I think I've seen before that there was a trend for the name Michael in the 1990s. That just means it was popular. And that happens to be when I was born. So maybe that's why, <laughs> or maybe that's connected, right? Maybe you could let me know how popular your name is in your country. Right, this next statistic will blow your mind in a kind of sad way. And what's interesting about this is I know a lot of you will be included in this statistic. So, yeah, and this is also a global one, right? So this is very shocking. And I'm a little bit nervous to say because I know a lot of you are going to feel quite guilty once I say this. Uh, this is the rate for washing your hands after using the toilet. Ha in, in a percentage, how many people do you think uh, wash their hands after using the toilet? It doesn't say this here. I guess this is just for number one. Number one is a polite way to say P, right? You're not doing the, the other thing. You're doing a P. You're going for a we, which is uh, number one. The other one is called number two. That's what that's called. I, I guess this is just number one. I imagine for number two, uh, the rate of washing hands would be higher, right? Because people treat that more seriously, I hope. But what do you think? How many percent? So it says here, the global rate for washing hands after using the toilet is under 20%. That's right, 20%. So this is a report from the CDC, the CDC, a reputable, respected uh, organization. So they report around the globe, over the world, only 19% of people wash their hands after using the toilet. Right. And that is, they report 2.5 billion people do not have access to uh, kind of good sanitation, which means, you know, good, clean conditions. So that is a factor, right? That there's lots of people who don't have access to things like soap and running water. So I imagine that is involved in the statistics somehow. It seems to suggest that it is. But that's a huge amount. I, I mean, I always, when I go to a public toilet, I always wash my hands. I think it's especially important in a public toilet, right? I hope you agree. However, I do see so many people who go to the bathroom and they just walk right out without washing their hands. It happens in England. It happens in Thailand. It seems to be a global issue. And I always kind of stare at them with judgmental eyes, but I'm not brave enough to say anything because... I don't want to be rude, <laughs> but it just makes me really wary of shaking people's hands. To be wary is to be kind of careful, reluctant. I'm wary to do something. I'm wary to shake their hands. So be honest, are you included in that 80% of people, 81% who don't wash their hands? Uh, if so, please wash your hands. It's nice for me if I have to shake your hand and, you know, maybe it can stop spreading COVID and stuff like that. Uh, this is a nice uh, public announcement I can make here. But, okay. 
We have another statistic here about ice cream. We'll do a couple more and then we'll go to the UK side of things. So how much ice cream do you think the average American eats every year? How much ice cream? We are going to be talking about grams, uh, not pounds. We're going to be talking about grams. So how many grams, that's a weight measurement of ice cream, do you think Americans eat, or the average American eats per year? Now I'm going to compare it to you. See who's closest. If, if you got it exactly right, try to get a really accurate guess in your head right now. Let's see how right you can be. How many grams or kilograms do you think it is? The answer is 5.8 kilograms. 5.8 kilograms. That's like a, a weight in the gym that you could go weightlifting with, you know, five kilogram weight. Uh, did any of you get that right? Did anyone say 5.8? Good job if you did. I wonder if America is the highest consumer of ice cream. I wonder if there's a country that has higher than America. That's a lot of ice cream as well. One year, I don't know, that can't be healthy. I think for me, it would be probably zero to zero to, you know, 100 grams of ice cream. I don't really eat ice cream ever. Maybe I'll have like one ice cream a year. I'm just, I'm not a big fan of ice cream. Uh, I think this year I had one and it was a, uh, what would you call a sorbet? Sorbet, I guess it's a French word. It looks like sorbet, but the T is silent, like many French words, like ballet, uh, buffet. Sorbet is kind of like ice cream, but rather than like based around dairy or cream, it's based on fruit. So like a mango sorbet is really nice. It's very fruity. And I guess it's healthier than ice cream. It's still very sweet and sugary, but I guess it's more based on fruit. Maybe I'm just lying to myself. Maybe I'm in denial. I'm in denial, which means I'm lying, right? That I, I want it to be healthy, but it's probably not that healthy. Um, let's, I mean, a lot of these are quite negative, aren't they? Not washing hands, eating ice cream. Uh, they're, not, they're not all like nice ones, are they? So I wonder if we can end, I'll do one more statistic on this main section with a positive one, hopefully. Let's see what we can find. Uh, I have one here that's a little bit disgusting and I'm not sure if that would be a positive one or not. Um, you know what? Let's do the, that. Let's do, let's do the gross one. Gross means disgusting. Let's do that one. So <laughs> saliva. Saliva is another word for spit. Saliva is more formal, a bit more scientific. Spit is more casual, more colloquial, but basically this is the stuff that comes out of your mouth, the kind of liquid in your mouth, right? A bit disgusting to talk about. So the average person could fill a certain amount of bottles with their saliva that they produce in one month. So that's an awkwardly worded statement, but let me ask the question to you. If you were just dribbling for one month, dribbling is when the saliva is coming down your chin. Uh, it's called dribble. Maybe when you're when you're sleeping, you're dribbling, or when you're. Here's an example: when my mum's cat is hungry, he'll start to dribble. 
right? Uh, the saliva will come down his chin. It's disgusting, but also kind of cute. Uh, but imagine you're just dribbling for one month. How much saliva do you think you would produce? Uh, let's talk about a bottle like this one, a litre bottle. Uh, actually, this is 1.5. But imagine one litre bottle of water. How much could you fill up in one month? The answer is 46 litre bottles. 46 litre That is unbelievable and also disgusting. So imagine your bottle of water you might have on your desk. 46 of them with saliva in one month. That is crazy. That's unbelievable and really, really gross. So yeah, hopefully you're not actually dribbling that much each month and you can keep it inside. <laughs> but I guess that does uh, emphasize, it does point out the importance of staying hydrated because your body uses so much water in sweat and saliva and your organs, your skin, your brain needs so much water to, to just get by each day. So yeah, it seems like a good thing, right? It seems like a nice thing if you can stay hydrated and uh, keep, those, keep those liquids up. I don't know. Let's move on. That wasn't so, that wasn't so positive to end on, was it? Let's do briefly now a quick UK statistic section. So I've got some stats here about uh, the UK, uh, various things about it, and I want to see how much you know. So first of all, let's talk about tourists visited in a single year. This is going to be a hard one because this is a number. Uh, the record number of tourists visited to the UK in one single year. What do you think that number would be? The, the record number, which means the highest number ever recorded. So obviously, you know, UK is quite a popular country for tourism. Uh, lots of people come to see London and Stonehenge and stuff like that. What do you think is the record number? I'll give you a clue. It's in millions. It's not thousands. It's not billions, but it's millions. Have a think about it. See if you can get it exactly right. I'm sure one of you will, at least. The answer is 39.2 million tourists in one year. It's a lot of tourists. It's a lot of people. I imagine as well, most of them will have only gone to London, sadly, right? Whenever I meet someone who goes to the UK, they visit London. Maybe they go Cambridge or Oxford or Bath as well, but they don't really go many other places. And don't get me wrong, all of these places are beautiful. They are amazing for tourists. I think you have to go to see them at least once. But I also think it's nice if you can go other places. So uh, maybe try to visit. If, if you're planning a trip to the UK, I challenge you to go somewhere a bit unusual. Maybe just pick a random point on the map, visit there. Not everywhere is nice, but I'm sure you'll find somewhere good there. But yeah, it's a lot of people, a lot of people coming here. Um, Speaking of which, what do you think are the top, let's say, four most popular tourist destinations in the UK? Top four most visited. Maybe you're naming them in your, you're kind of listing them in your head at the moment. You may have guessed already because I kind of mentioned some of them already. 
Uh, one is London, of course. London is the most popular one. It has eight times more traffic than any other city. In this case, traffic means people traffic. We can use traffic for people as well, not just cars. Like foot traffic is a common phrase for how many people are going somewhere, right? Uh, London Stonehenge, that's in the top four as well, which is, I think, kind of a shame because I don't think Stonehenge is very interesting. It's just some rocks in a field. Yes, the history is interesting, but it's quite overwhelming. Over, no, it's quite underwhelming. It's quite disappointing, in other words. Uh, Bath, the city of Bath, is the next one. It's a really nice city. However, you can tell it's the top destination. It's filled with tourists in the summer. It's very crowded and it kind of takes away from the, from the charm. Um, I recommend a visit, but don't stay for too long, perhaps, because it's, it's not a big city, but also it's very crowded. Next one I've never actually been to. I really want to go here at some point. Maybe I'll go uh, next time I visit the UK. This is the Cotswolds. The Cotswolds. Uh, I guess it's a kind of national park kind of area. It's, it's kind of like a place of lots of nature, countryside, villages uh, in the kind of midwest of the UK, uh, near Wales be a very beautiful place that I need to get to. We can talk about the most visited single tourist attraction in the country. This one surprised me. Uh, I wonder if you can guess. If you know anything about the UK, think about some of the specific tourist spots. We're not talking here about cities, but we're talking about uh, specific uh, things you can do. For example, Stonehenge. Uh, it's not Stonehenge, that's a clue. But Stonehenge is a specific place. What do you think is the number one visited spot in the UK tourist attraction? The answer is the British Museum. That really surprised me. The British Museum in London is the most visited spot. I guess partly because it's free. That's a huge benefit. It's free to enter, which is really nice. It is a really nice museum. I haven't been for many years, but... There's a lot to see there. Um, I imagine because of the, you know, Britain's colonial past, when we had our, we were colonizing different places and uh, invading other countries in a really not nice way. I imagine we stole a lot of artifacts and items from other countries. And as a result of that uh, very bad behavior in the past, we now have lots of nice, <laughs> interesting things in the museum. But there is a growing kind of argument and opinion these days to return many of these items to their countries of origin. So I wonder how much will happen of that, because on the one hand, it's nice if the countries can get them back. But on the other hand, if they returned everything, there wouldn't be much left in the museum, would there? Uh, only the British stuff, which maybe is less interesting. <laughs> okay, let me give you one final statistic. This is one of my most interesting ones because it's related to language. What are the top, let's say the top five uh, most popular languages in the UK? And this is not languages people are learning. This is languages spoken. All right, the top languages spoken in the UK. 
So this has changed. Some of these have changed in the past decade, but this is as of 2022. When we say as of, that means kind of since. As of 2022, since 20. So, so basically it means this data was true in 2022. As of 2022, the most popular language, of course, was English. That's the most popular. Beside English, what do you think it was? I imagine some of you might say, oh, maybe Chinese or, I don't know, French. Actually, the most popular was or is Polish. Polish is the most spoken language in the UK besides English. It was number one in 2011. It's still number one in 2022. Lots of Polish people in the UK. You see them everywhere, um, which is nice. <laughs> How many of you got that one right? Let's do, let's do the next three. There's, we're not going to do the whole list of 10 here. Uh, number two, any guesses? Number two, surprisingly, is Romanian. The Romanian language. So I guess there's been a lot of Romanians coming over because in 2011, this was number 19 on the list. You might hear some banging, by the way, some banging outside. That's because the window cleaners are coming down now. They're abseiling from the window and they're cleaning the windows here. I don't know if they can hear me. But anyway, I'll, I'll continue on. See, and Romanian has gone up from 19 to number two. That's incredible in 10 years. So a lot of Romanians have come over. Uh, number three, number four, some of you might guess, but I think a lot of you will not. I've never even heard of this one. I'm very sorry. The third one is, oh, I have heard of this. Uh, Punjabi. Punjabi is the next one. And Urdu is the next one. These are both Asian languages, I think spoken a lot in India. There are a lot of Indian people uh, in the UK as well. So yeah, did you get any of them right? That's very interesting. I think we'll leave it there. I'm sure you, you've had enough and you're fed up of these statistics by now, but I hope you enjoyed it anyway. Let's end with two podcast reviews and then we'll look at a quote to kind of inspire you that's also related to uh, statistics. I told you I'd get that word wrong a bit today. So we'll look at that now. I will also say on the private podcast this week, we will be looking at more statistics and facts. So if you want more of these, more to talk about, join me on Friday on the members podcast where we will go in more detail. I think that should be fun. So let's say a quick thank you. They'll go over to Greece now, the country of Greece. And say thank you to Anna2015. Anna says, Hello, Michael. Thank you very much for all your work you've done. Your lessons are very useful. And thank you that you sound so clear, even if you are British. What does that mean? Even if I'm British? <laughs> I think I know what you mean. I think a lot of British people speak in not such a clear way. They, they say, get a bottle of water. And it's not easy to hear like bottle of water, right? So you're very welcome. You're very welcome for my voice. But yeah, thank you, Anna. Uh, I've got one from Algeria. Only three stars though. That's a bit sad. Uh, I hope it was a mistake and I hope you don't actually think the podcast is three out of five. But this one is from Bob Bodiri, who says, thank you, sir, for this amazing episode. 
including that I have a difficult way to format phrases. I don't know where is the problem, maybe grammar or vocabulary. I hope you make an episode about this obstacle. Thank you. I guess I would need to hear more about this problem if I want to make an episode about it. Um, So if you ever have any suggestions for the podcast, I recommend getting in touch with me by email. I recently have a new email now. I changed my email. So it's now michael at levelupenglish.school. Quite long email now. But if you get in touch with me, I will be happy to talk about your problem and maybe address it on a future episode. But yeah, uh, I'm not quite sure what you mean by forming uh, phrases. Uh, Maybe I'll need more info on that. But anyway, thank you for the review. Uh, I hope you think the podcast is five out of five worthy anyway. But yeah, all reviews are very helpful, especially the five star ones. They do help a lot. Uh, Push it to the top of the charts and get it seen by more people. Let's end now with a statistic which I have heard a lot of and it's inspired me for a long time. This is 90% of podcasts don't make it past episode three. So that's 1.8 million people who quit before the third episode. Of the 200,000 people left, 90% of them will quit after 20 episodes. So basically what that means is if you want to be the top 1% of all podcasts, all you have to do is record 21 episodes and you're already in the top 1%. So that really motivated me. I think that's a nice statistic that just kind of speaks not only to podcasts, but for anything you do in life. One of the biggest strengths you can have is simply not giving up. If you keep going at something, you don't give up, you keep trying, even if you're not great at the start, even if you're not very skilled at it, keep trying and you'll already be ahead of so many people because so many people give up before they get good, right? And imagine if I gave up before 20, I would have still been so bad. I think the first 20 episodes are not very good. Same with English learning, of course, just stay consistent, keep doing it day after day, and you will be in a small percentage of people who study regularly, and that is how you will improve your language. So hope that's inspiring. Hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you maybe on Friday or maybe next Wednesday. Thanks for watching and listening. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the Level Up English podcast. If you would like to leave a question to be answered on a future episode, then please go to levelupenglish.school forward slash podcast. That's levelupenglish.school slash podcast. And I'll answer your question on a future episode. Thanks for listening.